NZR Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well getting scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar Alhijalan, Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com. You're going to find the link to the book there as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, once again, fucking pilot coming from the can. Um, got another victim in the chair across from me. Who, who the fuck are you? I, I shouldn't remain anonymous, should I? No, <laughs> no. no. There'll be no fun in that. Norman. Mark Norman. All right, Mr. Mark Norman. Mm-hmm. Mark, you and I have known each other a long time now. A wee while. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We've, we've definitely run through some of the same circles. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, hell, let's start at the beginning. First off, you're a skydiver. Uh-huh. Long time skydiver. 26 years. It's a long damn time. Yeah, it is. How'd, uh, how did it all begin? Hmm. Uh, you know, it all started with my dad. Mm. My dad's a pilot. Has been since he was a boy. And um, I was brought up on an airfield at the weekends. Really? Gliding. Nice. Gliding's his thing, you know, still to this day. Really? Yeah, he runs the Ulster Gliding Club, which is the oldest gliding club in the UK. And, um, yeah, my weekends were spent in the air. Nice. You know, and when it was my time to sort of go and start doing that, I had discovered girls and beer and... (laughs) Fuck, fuck gliding. Right, yeah, indeed. That's a little too subdued. Yeah, that's your thing, old man. I'm out of here. A little too subdued. Yeah, which I realize now, of course, is, you know, that that's one of our bonding things whenever I go home. Sure. Him and I go flying. So Isn't that cool? Do. Yeah, it is. It is. And in fact, what I need to do, and my intention is this summer, is to go and get my ratings on the glider because he's getting to a point now in his near 80s sure. where... It's not going to be going on for much longer. It'd be time and, for you to take him. And him. I, I want to be able to have that to give back to him, you know. Isn't that and, cool? Uh, Full circle. Yeah, yeah, it is. So he, he's beginning to research in, uh, and he wants to build um, model railways now. He's, oh, nice. He's, he's preparing himself to get away from it's this. Not flying. a bad thing. It's not yeah. a bad thing. So this is where my sort of fascination with aviation started. You know. How did it? Uh, how did it morph into going from gliding to wanting to jump out of planes? Oh man, I wanted to jump. Mate, I wanted to jump. Now, my school, um, I went to a boarding school, and uh, they were all into outdoor activities. You know, we had cadets. I was in the commandos. You know, <laughs> it was crazy. Well, that's because I got thrown out of everything else. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of, they, they put you in this. The, the, this was the troubled children and those who, who really wanted to go for it. And uh, I wanted to go parachuting. Mm. And there was an opportunity to go and do a static line jump. And I was 16 years old, and I was beside myself. I couldn't wait to go and jump sure. out of an aeroplane. And I got caught smoking. I always got caught smoking at school. Always. <laughs> Gated to the house for a week, a two-pound fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just from day one at the, each term, I was always under house arrest. Sure. Um, and uh, my parents wouldn't let me go. They knew I wanted to do it, you know. And my mum's freaking the fuck out. Oh, jumping out of a plane. What the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> you know. Um, and then when I got caught smoking, it was like, ah, you're not fucking going. And, uh, you know, that kind of sort of went by the wayside. And I felt sorry for myself for a long time. Sure. And then I went to New Zealand. Um, I decided to jack everything in. I'd been school, college, work, 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 serious job, you know, short haircut, la-di-da, corporation, all that stuff. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Mm. You know, and I'd saved a bunch of money. I'd sold my soul to the devil. I was working 100 hours a week. Oh. It was crazy. Um, and uh, me and a girlfriend at the time decided, right, we're, we're hoiking out of here. You know, and that's what we did. We and, disappeared. And this was uh, how old? Uh, oh, my goodness me. So I am, where well, I'm, I'm 48. <coughs> yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> So that would have been, I was 22, 23. That's really young to realize that you're on the wrong fucking path, man. Most people hit their mid-30s before they go, wait, what the what the hell am I doing? So uh, yeah, good on know. you for figuring it out. I just, mate, they pushed us so hard at work, you know, and just the responsibility of it all. It mm. just, I, I woke up one day and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? So you pissed off to New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did, I did my first jump there, a place called Lake Taupo with a guy called Vaughn Brady. Taupo's um, still one of the most famous drop zones in the world. Oh, amazing. Amazing. And uh, just 
the whole thing was, I don't know, uh, you know, the universe has a funny way of conspiring. Mm. So I does. And um, we went, we, I didn't sleep the night before, thinking about jumping out of a plane. Oh, my God, jumping out of an aeroplane. Full right. power. And uh, we got geared up. We got dressed up. We went out on this car, out to the aeroplane, got on the thing. The plane was fired up, getting ready to go, and pff, shuts the engines down, everybody off. We're like, what the fuck, you know? And... Um, yeah, well, the wind is coming. And across Lake Taupo, which is a huge lake. Sure. Yeah, uh, 26 miles, something like that. You could just see these white tips, you know. Oh, the the white caps start coming at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the wind came. And so we stood down for three days and waited. But those three days I spent with the skydivers. <whistles> what a bunch. Oh, I bet. Wow. Especially three days with a bunch of skydivers that can't jump. You know, and they were my kind of people. Mm. Really, truly, party animals to the max, and just dude, the, the way these guys interacted with the ladies, and <laughs> you know, there was a, there's a bar in Taupo called the Holy Cow, mm. yeah, and that was their local horn. And this place is just jammed full of uh, tourists sure. all the time. And uh, we went there every night, you know, stayed at a backpackers waiting, but every night we hooked up with these guys, hung out at the drop zone a little bit during the day. And man, I don't know, I've just felt really drawn towards this lifestyle, these people. Sure. And off we went, you know, I did my first jump. They put me up next to the pilot. I forget what aeroplane it was. It was, I remember it was a twin um, and uh, Vaughan Brady. Like mm. I said, I'll never forget his name. Fuck, I was shitting myself. And in fact, I don't even really remember it, but this guy hooked me. We're flying up, You can it, perfect day. You can see all the peaks, the volcanic mm. peaks across New Zealand. And, um, this guy hooked me up, hung me outside the door of an aeroplane, and my whole world went blank. <laughs> and I remember landing. Yeah. That was it. And I was trembling, trembling like a leaf. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, and it sounds to me, though, that, like you were hooked before you even had uh, the harness on. I, I think so, you know. And then to actually feel like that without getting whacked out on something. Oh, yeah, you know? no, you can't bottle that kind of thing. No, I was like, wow, th this is me. I'm producing this shit. Holy, wow, okay, all right, I need to learn this. Yeah, 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 we hear that all the time, which, of course, you know, 26 years down the road, you do. You hear it Sometimes people actually do mean it. Oh, that's crazy. A lot of people say it, but sometimes they actually mean it. Oh, it's mad. So well, we moved from uh, there down to Wellington. And that's where kind of we were going to base ourselves for this 18-month jaunt around mm. New Zealand. And this was, what, two, three weeks later? And I see this van driving past with a big logo on the side, Learn to Skydive. <laughs> I'm like, what? There's the number. I start dialing it. Yeah. Hello? 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 Yeah, yeah. what's up, mate? English guy in right. New Zealand. I'm like, you, you teaching skydiving? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now I went running across the road. He was stopped at a red traffic light, and I jumped in his van. And he thought he was being robbed, mate. This guy, <laughs> Mac McCarthy, was having a fucking heart attack. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it's me. It's me on the phone. Yeah. I'm like, I want to learn to skydive. I want to learn to skydive, man. You've got to teach me how to skydive. You know, I was beside myself. Awesome. I just held this thought so high in my mind that I wanted to go and learn to be a parachutist come hell or high water. Isn't it amazing when uh, you you actually, and most people never get to experience it, you just get slapped in the face with something that you have to do. And it's such a, um, a freeing knowledge. 
I have to do this. There's yeah. no choice. This yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to happen. Yeah. And there's something really freeing about knowing, no, I have no option. This has to happen. Yeah, it, truly it was, mate. <laughs> you know, and I put myself on this path. I, five months it took to get through AFF. Wow. So it was two factors. was the weather. I started at the wrong time of the year, and I was a really shit student. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I have never met another student since, and I've taught a lot of people to skydive who had to do as many jumps as I did. I did 25 jumps to get through AFF. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. I failed level five nine times. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> nine times. Well, let me ask you, though. <laughs> you, you said uh, you've taught a lot of people how to skydive. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that one of the reasons you've got the rapport you do with students is because you sucked so bad yourself. You know? Yeah. It would have to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I relate. I get it. Because, yeah, someone that breezes through the course is not going to be able to understand why you can't just uh, just fucking turn left. Oh, they're Superman. Why yeah, why can't you? You do that and so if you had to, to fight for every bit of it i would think it would be a lot easier oh for i had you to, to fight for it oh god knows i had to <laughs> fight for it i pulled myself out four times really of course yeah spinning so hard i'd get this arch signal allegedly i can't remember yeah and i would just spin i'd drop a knee and off i would go oh wow yeah, yeah so you were one of those ones they were drawing lots to see Oh, mate, I just I couldn't seem to relax, you know. And, in fact, I didn't relax for a long time. It, it mm. took me a long time to really see the aeroplane going away from me. Right, <laughs> right. But, you know, it was, it was this notion in my mind, I am not leaving this country without my parachuting license. I'm just not doing it, mm. you know. So it was more pig-headedness and stubbornness. Yeah, fair you enough. Know, that, that, that really sort of, like, pushed me because this was something that was – was really challenging me, you know? Indeed. And, uh, well, I mean, you're, you're not only having to try and learn what can be relative, relatively difficult things, but you're in as high a stress situation as you can possibly get. Yeah. It can take a while. Mate, there's a lot of noise going on inside oh, this head of mine. in there? Yeah. 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 It always uh, seems... Absolutely. It seems to be the biggest obstacle when you're teaching someone. Of course. You know, it's quieting down the noise. It's like it's not the actual action of getting out the door and pulling the parachute. It's like, it's like calm the fuck down, mate. You know, just shh. Yeah, because you're being hammered on all sides with everything else that has nothing to do with what's going on. Right. Wow, so you, you, you basically just beat your way through this course. I did, you know, but it was amazing because we had that, you know, that five months, that six months. And then obviously the rest of the time that I was in New Zealand too, I got to go in the rigging loft. This guy, Matt McCarthy, was all about it. You know, mm. he was all about rigging, learning to back. So I learned an awful lot about parachute before I even really got near it you know well, you gained a lot of knowledge that some skydivers never gain sure and uh, it was you know it was just it was an invaluable indoctrination into into this this wonderful sport you know sure the, now when did it click that you knew you weren't just a uh, a tourist in skydiving but that oh the, on AFF I met this guy called Andy Fricker mm. um, and another dude called Reese and Reese went off to be uh, to become an Air Force pilot, you know, mm. flying fast jets and whatnot else. And me and Fricker, well, we just became drunk skydiving <laughs> bums, bro. It was fucking amazing. We used to have this mid midweek club where we knew we couldn't jump. Um, we, we, we just couldn't go jumping, you know, because it wasn't the weekend. Sure. So we would go and rappel down car park buildings and we would find a building, you know, that anything that we could tie a rope off to properly at the top. And we would just go pegging it, running it just to get a buzz, you know. Sure. These guys were mental. Sure. Absolutely mental. And uh, more so than me. You know, I'm a little bit reserved, mate. I always look at things and go, oh, hold on. Sure. But, you Something know, still gets you over the edge. Yeah. And, <laughs> and again, you know, the camaraderie was, was the thing. And I'm... 
Yeah, that was, that was it. You know, we, we went bungling around after we kind of got our licenses and whatnot mm. else. And in fact, we didn't even have licenses. You know, once we'd gotten through AFF and uh, had started working, we went and bullshitted our way around every drop zone in New Zealand that we could find driving around in my larder. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. Everybody that I've talked to so far, it's been a very common denominator is everyone uh, talks almost more about uh, the community of skydiving than the jumping itself. Oh, for sure. It's, it's the people. It yeah. truly is, you know, and it, even with the idea of being in a tandem operation, you know, it's not so much the action of jumping and whatnot, it's the people you meet each day, you mm. know, who are coming in and, you know, oh, I'm scared, I'm, oh, it's like, all right, well, you know, hey. Well, I think you're a lot like me. If, if I look back at my career now, um, I started out hating doing tandems, but to ask me now, my favorite way to skydive is taking a tandem. Sure. Because either that or shooting a video of it, because you're feeding off of what you can still vividly remember it was like, and it's just like being back there again. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. And it's the right. gift of being able to give that to somebody else, and it's fucking funny. Truly. Oh, my God, you have no idea, mate. My face, two days ago, my face hurt. <laughs> my face, I got home from work, and... Even at the end of the day, one of my buddies comes up to me, goes, Norman, Norman, I've got another one. I'm like, dude, I can't, I just can't come and watch it. He's like, why not? Italian bloke. And he's like, uh, he's like, come on, Norman, come check it out. It's so funny. I'm like, mate, I can't, my face is hurting, mate. I'm like, it's, it's too much. It it's never brilliant. does get old. It really oh doesn't. Oh, my God, mate, no. So, no. so you, you get through the course and, and you mm -hmm. knock around New Zealand, jumping all over the place. And, yep. But skydiving's taken you all over. Yeah, it has. Yeah, I went back home to the UK first of all. Mm. That was a, well, it wasn't, you know, because McCarthy, Matt McCarthy, he was a, he's a Brit, mm. you know, a soldier, very military in his training, very sort of like this is how you'll do it, you know, um, and which I needed, you know, mm. I, sure. I definitely needed that, you know, because, um, <laughs> and. Uh, it came as a surprise going back there. Holy shit, rules, regulations, you're going to do this, you need a badge for this, you need a badge for that. You know, you know went walking back with a dodgy old rig, like, we don't need your stinking badges. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they shut you down pretty quickly. Yep, yep. I've, I've, I've definitely heard it's a hell of a lot more regimented. Well, it and I, I did my stint in New Zealand as well, and granted it was after, after you spent your time there, but it was still the Wild West. Yeah, yeah. And, and New Zealand's great, you know. I mean, that's a very big touristy sort of thing. But this, this was a very small drop zone uh, mm. in a place called Masterton, just slightly north of, um, of Wellington. And, but going back to the UK, that was, that was something else. That was sure. round parachutes, you know, no squares. Yeah, round parachutes. The weekends, mates were coming on a Thursday. I, I went and hooked up at this place called Chatteris. Yeah, uh, North London skydiving, they call it. It's mm. nowhere near North London. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds good. Yeah, so, well, you know, as a marketing tool, we get the people in. Uh, you're there. And um, uh, this guy called Dave Harrison. Yeah, Dodgy Dave, they called him. And he truly <laughs> was. What a character. Holy shit, I've met some characters in this sport. And, uh, yeah, man, he, he sort of, like, took me on board. And I moved into a caravan on the drop zone rather than going and living at my home, which was, like, eight miles down the road. I was just obsessed. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, all-encompassing. Yeah. And I, I learned to pack the rounds and do all that malarkey and talk people down and got my static line rating there. And, yeah, that was... That was so your instruction, you started in the UK. Uh, yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty tough, though. I mean, UK is not exactly known for a great skydiving weather. No, it's crap. That's why I left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you started getting ratings there, and you uh -huh. started kind of uh, getting your chops in the UK, and then you ended up, is that when you ended up in the States? Well, no. See, Andy Fricker, your man mm. who I was talking to you about, he came over to the UK shortly thereafter I went back, and he was 
he was like, hey, not banging on the door. Hey, Norm, I'm here. I'm like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he had promised he was making his way over there. Right. And, you know, sure as shit, there he was banging on the door. So him and I hit it off, you know, and we were at the drop zone as much as we could be. We went from that operation there to another place. So that would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Monday and Tuesday, we went over to a place called Sibson. And then Wednesday and Thursday, we went to a place called Langer, yeah, which is a bit further north. And we just, you know, I had the car and whatnot, an MG Midget, which he nicked one night drunk and crashed. Oh. Bastard. I never forgave him. No, I did forgive him for that. But yeah, he dinged my nice motor, mate. My yeah. little baby. Um, and, uh, yeah, tried to tried really hard to get jumping, and it just wasn't happening. Sure. And Frick came across uh, a bunch of money, mm. yeah? And he was like, well, fuck it, mate. Why don't we go to the States? You know? And, uh, well, that was it. I was like, yeah, 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 all right. I'm like, well, I'm pretty skinned. You know, I, I, I was doing a bit of landscaping as well in between. I tried to find a job when I got back to the UK, and they were wanting to pay you three pounds an hour. I'm like, three quid an hour, for fuck's sake, really? Is right. this, this is not living. Um, and so I started my own thing, you know, just doing landscaping and a couple of mates' gardens and whatnot else. So I had a little bit of money coming in. And the packing obviously helped. And sure, the rest yeah, absolutely. Of it. Um, but, you know, living on ramen noodles and, you know, support from the family. And Frick's like, I'll give you a thousand quid, mate. He's like, I'll buy you the ticket. I'll give you a thousand quid. Let's go to America. Like, Fuck it. Let's go. Absolutely. You know, packed the bags up, told me, oh, dear, I'm off. And my old man. And they're like, you know, son, <laughs> if it's making you happy, just be careful. Yeah. Just be careful. And off we went, got on an aeroplane. I think that was, uh, what was it? That was February the 22nd, 1997. All right, very uh -huh. cool. Yeah, I did. Took that aeroplane over there and landed in a tropical storm <laughs> in Florida <laughs> and uh, ended up on this lay, uh, that Lacey Heard ended up on her couch. You know, we got dropped off by this old boy called Mike Myers, little Dutch dude. He's like, hey guys, how's it going? You know, when he picked us up and. Uh, stopped at the Waffle House. That was my first experience of American cuisine. Oh, oh man. man. Was, I don't know. That's good stuff, man. <laughs> you know? Them hash browns. Well, it definitely fits the lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> and so this guy called Andy Grimway owned this drop zone called Sebastian in Florida. Hmm. And it was thriving at the time. He had two sure. twin artists who owned it with a guy called Freddie Brown. And uh, I rocked up there and we rocked up in the morning after we'd woken up at Lacey Herd's house. My God, she's a trip. And... Um, there it was, two twin otters flying, you know, mm. buzzing, teams training, the whole gambit. I, I turned around and said to Frick, I'm not leaving. That was it. As soon as I got there, I'm like, I'm not leaving. He's like, well, I'm not fucking going, mate. I'm like, we had a three-month visa. I'm like, I ain't going. I'm staying here. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So into Sebastian, which, I mean, Florida was skydiving mecca back then. Oh, yeah. It yeah, was, yeah. I mean, there were other drop zones mm -hmm. out there that were, that were well-known, but anybody that was ever, anybody was in Florida. It, it was good value, man. Yeah. You know, it was just, wow, such a self-contained environment. And, you know, uh, Grimmy, Andy Grimmy, he'd done such a good job of, you know, putting the team rooms in place, just really having a drop zone that was wholesome and everybody was living in the campground out the back. Sure, you know, there sure. was Swanson, Zipser, just a whole bunch of, you know, hey, 
legends in the sport. Yeah. Who were all just hanging out. Chris Lynch, you know, the, the XL team boys. Everybody was living together. For sure. And there was just this community thing going on. You and know? again, that's the hook. Yeah, mate. Right. You're hooked I, in. I, 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 just, I just saw the two planes flying. I'm like, I'm fucking going. Absolutely. <laughs> the rest of it was all just started coming as a bonus. Sure. You know, and I went and saw Grim, mate. I'd sort of like emailed him and um, asked about work and whatnot else. And uh, I wanted in his office. I'm like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Norman. I'm here. He's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> You piece of shit. That was it. Go fuck yourself, you piece of shit, he says to me. I'm like, oh, fuck you, you know? And he looks at me, he goes, oh, you're all right. Uh, you know? And I, I think maybe it was just one of those tests, yep. you know? And that was grimy, mate. He yep. was test. He was always tested everywhere. Uh, so I love this sport for exactly yeah. that reason. I worked for a, for a guy in Skydance uh, uh, in Davis, California, Ray uh-huh. Farrell. Uh-huh. Uh, Famous in this mm-hmm. world. And famous for being uh, a bit of a hard ass. Yeah. And uh, I had also, I started working uh, for Michael Hawks, who uh, was far and away the biggest prick Scott Ebbing ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate that guy. Uh, I'll never have a nice thing to say about him. <laughs> and so uh, I'm trying to get a gig um, in between working at Cross Keys during the summer, and, and I'm back in California in the wintertime. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so I walk into to Skydance, and somebody tells me to go talk to Ray. And... I knock on the door, and I, you know, Ray's, you know, relatively famous in, in the little world, so I knew who I was going in to talk to, and and I sit down, and, and he's being all gruff and hard-ass, and he won't even look up from what he's doing to talk to me, and, <laughs> and it's supposed to be some kind of interview, but he's just being a douchebag, and uh, so he finally gets around to looking at my uh, my CV, and he's all, oh, so you work for, uh, for Hawks out in Vegas, did you? Yeah, sure did. He's all, well, uh, if you survived him, I guess you'd probably do all right here. And I look at him in the eyes, and I'm like, Ray, if you're twice the prick people say you are, you're still only half the prick he is. (laughs) And Ray fucking looks at me like (laughs) he couldn't quite figure out, and then he finally just cracked a smile, and he says, welcome to the team. (laughs) So same thing. Same thing. (laughs) You got work. Absolutely. Yeah, so throw that fuck you right back at you. I can feed myself. (laughs) So you go in, and you you pass your test, and... and, uh, Yeah. uh, they put you to work doing what? Maintenance. Bog rat. Cleaning the toilets. All right. You went oh, that yeah. route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took over from a guy called Rob Silver. <laughs> so I did. It was awesome. I got up in the morning. So what Grimmy allowed me. It, it, God bless him. I love that man to this day. So I do. And um, what Andy did for me was he uh, paid off my my bar bill and, you know, food and drink. Mm. So he did. Uh, he gave me like 100 bucks a week. Um, and I could jump as much as I want, so long as he didn't need me for anything, so long as my jobs were done. Now, everyone had been doing maintenance up until that point, had kind of been a slacker, you know? Sure. Me, I saw this as an instant way to fucking bang That's the jump numbers up, so I was up at five o'clock in the morning. I had that place scrubbed, and I did. I spent about a week scrubbing everything first. Right. You know, something that was instilled in me by my ma and by um, school. Sure. You know, and so I scrubbed it because then it's easy maintenance, isn't it? Sure, yeah, you know, absolutely. Once it's all nice and tidy, ship shape and shine. And, you know, Grimmy took a shine to that because he would always wander in every morning. And his first thing was, you know, good morning, good morning. And he would wander around every bit of the drop zone. Sure. And check that it was all in good order. You know, the fuel, the bathrooms, the shower rooms, everything else, the zoo bar, making sure that it was all good to go. So that was my gig, dude. I'd up at five in the morning, scrub the place, get it ready for the day, and then first load would be there. <laughs> I'd be there with a the rig on that I'd begged, borrowed, and stolen. 
and um, yeah, hop and pops, you know, until it was like, hey, you know, check in, we need you for this, we need you for that, boom, I'd run off, I'd get it done, get back, get on a plane. Nice. Yeah, I did 800 jumps my first year there. Wow, yeah. wow. So yeah. now you're talking about getting up into the jump numbers where you can start pushing to work. Oh, fuck that, mate. I wanted to free fly. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I was a dirtbag. Are you kidding me? Long hair, bare oh, feet. Yeah, nice. no, I, had, I I didn't want to... Uh, ratings. Nice. You know, here's Olaf Zipser. Here's uh, Adrian Nichols. Here's, you know, Johnny Loken is just some of the most amazing, incredible free flyers. Swanee. Back when it was know, all brand Jason new. Jason Auburn. All bringing this, you know, this whole new kick to things, mate. Yeah. And... Uh, Adrian Nichols was a boy who took me under his wing, you know? He's got a hell of a name there. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, truly. He was like, you know, you're going to kill yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, that's pretty fucking observant, Adrian. How about you hook a motherfucker up and teach me what I'm doing wrong? And I knew I was in a danger zone at that point. You know, I really was because, you know, my my ego was sort of like outweighing my skill level. Sure. And... um, he did god bless him man you know he took me under his wing and taught me how to free fly and you know serving pizzas and getting the feet out there nice yeah pizza delivery yeah 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 just that that whole thing um now he was uh uh, he was um protege to uh, um the wingsuits patrick Yeah, 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 yeah 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 him and his missus Katerina, they used to use the rigging lofts upstairs, and they would sew together the first suits. Sure. With uh, which were Patrick's design. Sure. And him and uh, Adrian and Patrick were hardcore. You know, they were really into this whole idea of bringing this idea forwards. Um, and uh, yeah, Katerina would sit up there. I'd sit in the rigging loft, mate, and just watch. You know, I did a lot of the loft. After a period of time, I started living in the loft. Sure. And uh, that was a blessing in disguise. Mm. That was. But yeah, sewing those suits together, watching that. And, uh, Isn't it funny that you were there when that yeah. started and look what it's become now? Oh, it's crazy. You and know? That, was the, that was the absolute beginnings was in that yeah. loft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah, it was. And yeah. now the, the whole world is just awestruck and inspired by these absolutely insane YouTube videos of guys doing shit that's just not possible. All because of that. Oh, man. Because they stitched some wings on a, yeah. on a jumpsuit. But it is possible, mate. Yeah, right? It really is. It's, a, it's just know? epic. Even just being in the air and watching them go by, you oh. know, and then they get to give you a big flare and you're like, Damn. Yeah, to watch okay. a skydiver go up. <laughs> and up and up and up and stay up and stay up and stay up and then the drop afterwards is so slow that they're on level with you for... 15, 20 seconds. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you get that extended Shit stretches, time. It stretches, sure. It's a long-ass time. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's amazing. I went and watched uh, Matty Munting and Nick Scalabrino. I went and hung out with them in the Swiss Alps this summer. Mm. And they were jumping off this, uh, Christ, uh, Diablerets was the name of the place. Okay. We're up 9,000, 9,500 feet. Sure. Fuck me, man. I was terrified. I climbed down this, to this exit point with them to get pictures, Oof. you know? But man, wow, you just where they were doing this and where they were going. Oh, I bet. I bet. I've actually got uh, Munting's going to be stopping by at some point to have a chat with me. I think I'm going to need to have you come back and and, uh, translate for me, though, because half of the people in the States will never understand a damn thing he says. (laughs) The guy is a legend. He is, mate. My face is always sore hanging out with him. Well, you know what cracks me up about him and one of the coolest things about him is he's a lot like uh, Rob Stanley in Uh that he's just that fucking excited all the time. Yeah. And it's very difficult to get to the level that he's at that any of us are at really in the sport and still maintain that childlike excitement. Yeah, this that's him. Just fucking stoked. Uh-huh. 
Oh, which is awesome. It's fucking infectious. frothing, mate. Frothing. Frothing, Absolutely. mate. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, I may need you to come in and... Uh, <laughs> It would that. be a pleasure, mate. The guy, I, I, yeah, I love the boys a bit. He's so you're you're in Florida. Mm-hmm. You're delivering pizzas all over the sky. Yep. You're hanging out with uh, um, people that would end up being some of the biggest influences in modern skydiving. Yeah, yeah. Um, where does it go from there, mate? Uh, okay, so I spent a year at the drop zone. I didn't leave the first summer. I lived in a tent. I lived in a tent for four years when mm. I first went to the US. Um, well, no, that's not that's not strictly true. Um, about my third year. Freddie Brown, who was Grimmy's uh, partner in crime down at uh, Sebastian, he let me have his trailer, mm. you know, that he had there. And so I got into a caravan, man. I was living large. Yeah, that's know. big time, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, after the first summer, Lyle Presse, uh, Flex Vision, mm. yeah, Lyle Presse, I used to go and help him make goggles. So I did, <laughs> you know, he, he's, God bless him too, man. Lyle Presse hooked me up when I first got there. And in the summertime when there wasn't a lot of work going around, you know, I mean, at the drop zone, and then I would go and help Lyle at night, sit in his house and make goggles. Awesome. You know, um, and he was off on a tiki tour up through the center, center Midwest, all the way up to the top and then across the top and back down. Mm. So we stopped at every single drop zone on the way up. Oh, that's the bottom amazing. of America to the top of America and then across uh, to Buffalo and then down to uh, the drop zones in Boston um, the ranch across, oh. and ended up at Cross Keys <laughs> and you know I, I mean there was a few places uh, most of the places on the way up weren't busy all the time you know mm. and I'd heard about you know these drop zones that were really busy and could put you to work and you could really do you know get a lot of jumping in and that was sure. my thing that was my soul oh, yeah. idea was just I want to skydive I want to skydive and I want to do it a lot yeah absolutely and um Ended up at the ranch. That was too manic for me. I mean, holy shit, mate. That yeah. place, it, it, probably even still to this day, mate. Um, <laughs> it was too much for me. I, I foresaw there an untimely demise if I was going <laughs> to, if I decided to say, Alal, Alal, I like this place. I'm staying here. Right. And the next stop on was Cross Keys. Oh, what a and place. It was a busy Saturday. I mean, the place was humming. But some dude in a his pilot's license you know a student had planted a Cessna of some description in the trees about 30 foot up <laughs> yeah so obviously you know not gone right the way to the threshold not I don't know not put enough power on but I don't know was in the trees mate the drop zone was shut down when we arrived oh, you know? no. but it was a busy Saturday sure, afternoon so and, and so it's packed with lots of people sitting around scratching their ass going alright we want a skydive and uh, there was a couple of people there that I knew, John O'Gordon, Warren Grasky from Sebastian, who, you know, were transient. Sure. You know, when the season's over in Sebastian or down in the south and you move up to the north. Sure. You know, that whole thing about works. And, uh, yeah, 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 just straight away. I was like, man, you know what, Lyle, I'm staying here, bro. Yep. Yeah, this is it. I'm going to stay here. And I went and introduced myself to Johnny Eddowes, who mm. was very amicable. Sure. You know, yep. and um, he's of British heritage. You know, his, his parents are both Brits and they'd emigrated to the States some time back. So he took a little bit of a shine to me and, you know, kind of hooked me up. Very cool. Now, what year would this have been? Oh, my goodness me. So that was uh, maybe 90, end of uh, summer of 98. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So you were you were at Cross Keys at the beginning of it really kicking off. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the demographic there is incredible. You know, there's what maybe a hundred million, eighty million, a hundred million people within a hundred mile radius oh, of the yeah. place. I mean, you got Delaware, you got yeah. New York, you got uh-huh. Philly. You, I mean, Washington, just, um, up to Boston, all of Jersey and, yeah. and out to Atlantic City. It just, it's huge. You yeah. know, so pulling in people there. Is, is not too difficult, you Easy. know, especially if you if you advertise. And he did advertise hard sure. on local radio and stuff sure. like this. Did lots of demos. Well, now, so you get there and you're still doing the odd job thing and and uh, uh, just jumping your ass off for the pure joy of it. Which, by the way, I got to tell you, I'm jealous because I started working in the sport before I knew how to skydive. Right. Um, which a lot of people uh-huh. do. Um, and. Thankfully, I'm at a point now where I get to go fun jump now. Yeah, sure. Uh, and and show how little I actually learned over all those years because I've oh, got kids know. flying circles around me and I love it. <laughs> but you, you finally get to the you, you're at Cross Keys and you're doing all this. When did the when did it transition to work for you? Um, after I got fed up packing so many tandem rigs and sport rigs, you know, I mean that is thankless work. It Great money, really but it's is terrible. Oh my goodness me! <laughs> you know, it just never gets any easier. No. It doesn't. And I packed a lot of parachutes. I'd wake up, my hands would be just curled over, you know, and my my fingers all swollen. I had a boatload of cash in my pocket. Sure. But man, there's got to be easier ways oh, to it. Yeah, no, it's it's some true suffering there. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just uh, the amount of tandems everyone was doing there, the amount of video, they were earning good bank and having a blast doing oh, it. Oh yeah, you know, they weren't on bended knee all day long. With uh, oh God, I can't even. Oh, it was Jono was the packer. He was in charge of the packing. Yeah, John Gordon was in charge of the packing man <coughs> for a long time, wasn't he? Dude, that was brilliant. It was some of the best fucking. The best times of my life was with John O'Gordon on there because he likes drinking, I like drinking, we all like drinking. Sure. And we would load up a fridge hidden in this little sort of like cubby hole at the back of the pack. Yeah, that. I know the spot. Yeah, and he would get pissed off or at least pretend to be pissed off. You lot, in my fucking office right now, busy on a Saturday morning. Right, and we'd all go in, tenants. Where, where, <laughs> you, don't you remember the... And we'd pop a few beers, crack a few tinnies, have a couple of drinks and you know awesome. we would get to work awesome. you know i mean we wouldn't get stupid with it but sure. you know that was the reality of it sure. it really was and so it was really enjoyable but god damn it i tell you what we worked hard sure yeah eventually and, uh, it was time to put the parachute on for some yeah money. so i decided to get a tandem rating you yeah. know and i was already doing video i had my first video camera quite quite a while every single jump you know sure. at least pictures video but more importantly was the video yeah absolutely you know, video cameras were just getting to a point where they were small my first one heart openings were survivable yeah you know I, I kind of the stilettos is where I sort of walked into it all you know uh, for, uh, for me a as well. high performance parachute yeah me as you well you know yeah. after you know a cruise light was one of my first parachutes that was brutal that <laughs> thing seven cells it would never open it right. had like a thousand jumps on it you know zero P it just wouldn't open it would never open man. right right it would never fucking open <laughs> I'd always land it with five cells right <laughs> so you, you chucked drugs and, and uh, uh, were shooting video across keys for a long time uh, tossing drugs more you know you, you did one or the other there as far as the weekend sure went. you know you were either doing the video or you were doing the tandems and you know me i'm a people person i thoroughly enjoy oh absolutely getting stuck into people and taking them from the ride and teaching them the lessons hey look check it out this is how the parachute works you know? absolutely well it's it's uh it's a very easy thing to fall in love with doing oh yeah for sure yeah so yeah, you yeah. were bouncing back and forth between the uh, Florida and back to Cross Keys yeah. seasonally, so doing mm-hmm. the gypsy thing. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. And you did that for a awesome. long time because you yeah. and I didn't cross paths until two thousand and three mm-hmm. when I got hired on at Cross yeah. Keys. And woof, 
Wow, was that a reality check? Yeah, it was getting a bit mental then. Holy shit, man. <laughs> I, Because uh, I had come from uh, Vegas that mm-hmm. had the least party drop zone in the world because oh, yeah. everybody was making too much money and, and uh, the drop zone owners were all mental. And and uh, I got the job. I actually talked to uh, Edos, as uh-huh. a matter of fact. I was working for uh, a guy by the name of Eddie out in Vegas. We'll, uh-huh. we'll leave his last name out of it. Oh, I know you talking. Oh about. yeah, uh, and that little shit. Uh, uh, yeah, that little shit didn't <laughs> like me so much because I could get laid and he couldn't. Yeah, well, that's because uh, he's horrible, cunt, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> I, I think even he'd agree with that. Yeah. And uh, um, he uh, he called. He found out I was trying to get work at uh, at Cross Keys, and I was mm-hmm. only trying to get work there because all I had heard about Cross Keys was it was the busiest drop zone in the damn world. And if you wanted to make some serious money, that's where you'd go. Yeah. So I'm thinking the responsible choice is I got to get this job at Cross Keys. Oh. So <laughs> Eddie decides he's going to call up uh, John Eddowes and do nothing but talk shit about me. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> but John Eddowes, God love him, um, is halfway through the phone conversation and he just asks Eddie, he's, all, he's all, so you, you don't recommend hiring this Dean guy. Oh, fuck no, guys, this, that, and just talked all kinds of shit. And, and uh, without blinking, Eddie went, or uh, um, John went, well, that's exactly why I'm going to hire him. And he hired me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Which was fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I get out there, and I think I, I was at Cross Keys for about a week. And I had gotten out there thinking I had shed all my past is gone oh, yeah. there's no more no and i had gotten saddled with the nickname princess out in vegas because mm-hmm. i worked with a bunch of brits some of who you know uh that nicknamed me princess because i didn't drink alcohol and i used to be a stripper there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so i'm thinking all right I, I've, I've driven literally across the entire country no one knows me mm-hmm. i'm free and clear i get to just go beat dean and I think I got there late on a Tuesday night and parked my 17-foot my pop-up trailer in uh-huh. the parking lot, put that thing up, and went to sleep. And I woke up because I heard somebody walking past the trailer going, well, that guy doesn't know where he is. <laughs> all right, fuck, I must have parked in the wrong spot. I'm starting out good. And so I get out of the trailer, and I put it all the way, and I go walking into the hangar, and it's dead empty and super quiet early on a weekday. And I put one foot through the hangar door onto that red carpet, and I hear this squeaky British voice from the other side of the room screaming, Hey, are you Princess, that stripper from Vegas? Fuck me, God. Really? Are you me? And somebody from, a, from Vegas had called and uh-huh. said, Hey, you hired this guy. Here's the dirt on him. Uh-huh. So that was my introduction to Cross Keys. And then a week later, I'm sitting in the, the pea gravel pit under a substantial, uh, of the effect of substantial amounts of chemical entertainment thinking, uh-huh. What the fuck? What happened here? This is the responsible <laughs> choice? And, and and I had initially been offered the job not through John Eddowes, but through who was at the time the Drop Zone manager, who I'm sure you knew very well, yeah. and I only knew in passing, Paul Rafferty. Right on. So when I found out what happened to, to Raff... Oh, brutal, dude. Oh. Brutal. Were you there that night? I was, mate. I was a conscientious objector from the moment they decided to put that car on there and was told to fuck off. Shut up, Norman. Fuck off. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't put the car on the fire. You know, we can't do that. We're not allowed to do that, mate. Because we'd have to go down to the fire brigade at the weekends. Sure. Because it's an airport and sign up paperwork, you know. We got on well with these guys. They'd come sure. out on a Saturday and squirt the hoses so that we could sweep under them. And sure. They loved us, you know. Remember the safety day training with all the harnesses they made to oh, get yeah. out of the trees? And, oh, yeah. You know, they were a good bunch of guys, man. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I always thought to shut the fuck up. And so I went and saddled myself up in the corner out of the way, you know, and it, 
flames were licking out of that car 40 feet in the air. Yeah, for, for those that uh, yeah. haven't heard the story or don't know, um, they were just having a, a stereotypical cross keys party, and it was a massive yeah, was bonfire. A and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, who was it came up with the idea of taking a car and parking it on the bonfire, setting the car on fire? It was just I, one it, of the crowd. <laughs> Maybe we should just leave it at that, you know? All right, fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Somebody. I, could, I could give you names, mate. No, that, no, that would just no, be unfair no. at this Let's point. Let's just say a, a, a cross-keys gypsy decided to park this on. Yeah. So it went from bad to worse. Oh, it's crazy, mate. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So they parked the car on the bonfire, and then what did they start doing? Then, you know, the, the thing had been burning 30-odd minutes, you know, and a car burns very intensely in case oh, you've yeah. never seen a car burning. Oh, yeah. You know, it gets up to ridiculous temperatures, over 1,000 degrees nearly, I think. Mm. And um, this thing had flames coming out of it 40-odd feet up in the air. Everyone was gathered around it. There was 150 people, 200 people there. You sure. know, it had been a great day jumping and whatnot else. And a guy called... Will Longinest decides in his infinite wisdom that he's going to run across the hood of the car while it's on fire. Well, sure as shit, off he went. Straight across it. Sure. Um, the manager, Paul, turned around and said to an old boy, come on, wait, let's give it a go. And someone's like, nah, mate, nah, nah, nah. And he'd had a few, you know, and uh, that was, you know, uh, he'd been there about, I don't know, a month, six weeks, something like that. And he'd been as good as gold, but this was his, you know, his, 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 his first big, first, yeah, hurrah. And uh, he tried to run across and the, the hood of the car. And as he stood on the bonnet that had been burning mm. for so long, you know, uh, with the engine block underneath it, his shoe melted and he fell inside the burning vehicle. Well, you know, he's a strong old boy. You know, he was uh, ex-Special Forces and whatnot else, and he pulled himself out the other side, quite literally pulled himself out the other side of the car mm. in front of all these people. I just hear, Wah! you know, just, you, you can tell something's wrong. Oh, and I yeah. see Will Longines go running past me like a bat out of hell and um, just get on high alert. You know, something's not right. Yep. He comes running out with a fire extinguisher with a couple of black fire blankets that we, we had in the hangar. And I went running over and had a look, and there was Rafferty lying on the ground, mate. And he he wasn't he wasn't looking good, dude. Mm. You know, he had the inside of the car was really hot. Oh yeah, you know, it singed all the hair down onto his head, and you know, it, it melted all the hair. Oh dear God, mate! But he was lucid and chatting and joking, and he he tried to pull all the he was wearing like tracksuit pants. Sure. It was just brutal, mate. You know, and. Uh, they airlifted him out of there and he was dead the next day. You know, he had yeah. 97% or 96% third degree burns all over his body. Man, I mean, man. you can't even imagine just inhaling 800 degree smoke. That's it. That's oh, yeah. Instant, oh, yeah. Instant. You just fried everything on the inside. Yeah. But to, to add to that, that bad burn on all Stupidity, mate. It's, you know, just uh, the whole thing didn't end well. well. Cross Keys had a, a long run of amazing, spectacular, incredible times and yeah. a run of bad luck, oh, too. Goodness, it seemed mate. like. Uh, um, it was always the good and the bad were so close together there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we in the in the time that I spent there, there was a fair amount of tragedy. Yeah, um, and it was it was never a, um, you heard this or that. It was an in your face. Kind oh of yeah, thing. one hundred percent. It was very eye opening. You know, it was, it's how not to do it. Oh yeah, how not to do it. For oh, sure. the the big one yeah. for me was Cusky. Oh, that was brutal. Oh, man. I'll never forget. I show up to the drop zone that morning, and by then we're pretty established. I think I'd been there for maybe three months. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know how quickly you become friends with people, and you're yeah. just one of the crew just like that. 
And I was walking through the hangar, and Craig Cusky and a whole bunch of people, I think it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, he's laying flat on his back on the packing mat, obviously hammered off of his ass. Oh, for the whole night before he'd been out partying like the rock star he was. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and he he, uh, looks up at me and says, hey, princess, would you do a swab for me? Fuck off. No way. Not a chance in hell. And unfortunately, he got somebody to do the damn swab Mm -hmm. for him. And ended up getting in an airplane and uh, um, making a jump. Shitty ass hammer drunk. What did he come back like 2.0? Oh, I don't know. Like triple the legal limit. He'd been partying all night. They'd been doing all the good stuff as well as being drunk and all the rest of it. Plus they were drinking first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah. And there was an exchange of pilots because the regular pilot there was Jono. And Jono, as soon as he saw him or Fricker getting on the plane, was like, oi, up here, right now. I want to breathe. You know, I want to at least smell you're not drinking. Mm. All right, sit down, you know. Or if they were guilty as, you know, charged, then it was like, get the fuck off my plane. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? It ended up being crow flying that day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He yeah. just got the job there, you know. And, like, Jono had you know, you know, neglect, neglected to sort of give him the info, but, you know, just hadn't told him about this whole idea of customer. And why would you? Well, and you when know? you're brand new, especially yeah. as a pilot, when you're the brand new guy, you're right. not going to be pointing to people and going, come no. breathe in my face. Yeah. Yes, Kuski gets in the plane, goes up, makes the jump, and, and uh, um, never opened his fucking parachute. And the, the fucked up thing with Kuski was... He did a two-way. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing a two-way with Fricka. They oh. decided they were having a low-pulling competition. Oh, yeah. This is what went on there. Yeah? Okay, so, him and Fricker. Kuski's on his back underneath Fricka. Yep. Yeah? Fricker Cypress fires. Yep. All right, he's in good shape. Kuski flips over. You Apparently, you can tell. You know, he had his, par- his pilot shoot. He hit the ground so hard, it's hard to tell, mate. Yeah. But we reckon that he flipped over, went to pull normally, and then went, holy shit. Oh, and yeah. Oh, he, he didn't even... He tried to get the reserve out, you know, because it was, it was neatly over the top of him. Oh, yeah. That concrete. Yeah. Thing, oh, no. I'll, believe know? me, I'll, I'll never forget that. Cause, well, in the, the course, the, the twisted part of that story was is Frick of Cypress fires. The only reason that Kuski's didn't fire is because he took it out because they were getting too expensive to replace because he kept firing the damn things. Yeah. Uh, when he went in, I was standing in front of uh, Monkey Claw, uh-huh. uh, the little team room, yeah. and uh, I watched. I looked over and I saw him at yeah. Treetop, and then uh-huh. you heard that stick of dynamite sound go off. Uh-huh. And I turned to Demo, uh-huh. one of the other yeah, instructors, because yeah, yeah. and, and, it just didn't register. And I'm like, what the fuck was that noise? And sure. he just looks at me with this sober face. He says, yeah. that was Kuski. Yeah. And I raced over and I got in my truck and I raced down Dahlia Avenue and, and I saw Frick sitting under his reserve looking pretty fucking dizzy. Yeah, down at the Red House. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. So I saw him and I'm like, all right, he's okay. And then I saw the parachute on the concrete. Yeah. And I got over to, to Kuski and you're right. He had the, the reserve was draped over yeah. him and... His face was kind of turned to the side. Not a cut, not a yeah. scratch, no blood, yeah. nothing. Unbelievable. Eh? It was crazy. Yeah. And you would have sworn he was going to dust himself off. And I, and I, I ended up doing the whole checks and checking yeah. his pulse and all yeah. that. And there was just nothing yeah. left. You know? nah. There we go. Oh, yeah. Well, and when uh, when Kim Worthington introduced me to Craig Kuski uh, three months before, yeah. she flat out introduced him as the guy that's going to be next to go in and cross yeah. keys. And Mate, I'll be do you know what? As God is my witness, I tried so hard with Kuski. Yeah. I did. I took him under my wing. I was like, mate, I lent him parachutes, please. Dude, just, you know, calm your jets. Bro. Sure. Get this right. You've got a whole life in front of you. But you know what? You just can't tell some people, mate. And it's not, you know, I guess it's not your responsibility to keep hacking away at it. No, I mean, you can only do so much. And at the end of the day, people are responsible for their own future. Yeah. Well, you know, he'd been banned from the drop zone the season before, uh, towards the end of the season. He'd moved down to Florida. Started dating this mate of mine. And uh, 
he come back up to cross keys and I seen him, he walked in, I'm like, oh man, I'm like, dude, I'm done. I'm like tough love sort of thing. Right. You know, I'm like, I'm done, mate. You know, you're you're too much you're too much bother, mate, to handle. <laughs> you know, after three seasons of really trying to get Cusky to sort his fucking shit out, mate, yeah. you know, hooking himself in, Cypress fires left, right, and center. It was just, it was, every jump was an event. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it was ever going to end any other effort <coughs> for Cusky. I think that was just how it was going to Oh, it's destiny. Yeah. yeah, that's how yeah, it was going to go. Absolutely. Well, and, and poor uh, poor Crow, who was flying the plane, um, over the next <laughs> couple of years, he was the pilot for multiple fatalities to the point where they started yeah. calling him the angel of death. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I think it was... Uh, uh, it was the second or third time that we had somebody go in or something, and the FAA was looking for him. And they, or no, he wasn't even at uh, he wasn't even at uh, across keys. He was abroad in one of the planes, yeah. uh, doing the boogie circuit thing, and he had a fatality. And uh, somebody was all freaked out that the FAA wanted to talk to him. And he cracks a beer and he's all, "It's not my first fatality, man. Yeah. They'll, they'll wait." Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd he'd been there before. I mean, wow. You know, some people, mate, they just you know, they're, they're they're there when these things happen. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Cross Keys got brutal, mate, for a little while. That really wasn't did. the only one. There was Seth Blake, there was Sarah, and uh, her boyfriend Ron. Yeah, that was know? a hard one for all of oh us, my dude. God. I still post Sarah's picture yeah, every Fourth yeah, of July. I see it. I see it. Fourth of July, man. She was special, dude. You know, She's sister Sarah. Yeah, born again Christian. Came in with her Bible, fucking wee, and everyone just took a real shine into her because she was a very bright light. Oh yeah, you know. But she. Uh, yeah, mate, such a tragic day that was. Absolutely. Well, and I was down at uh, Wildwood doing the helicopter boogie down there, uh-huh. and, and uh, of course we got told the news oh. and had to keep jumping because yeah, yeah. you got to do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah. And I remember yeah. being literally in tears in free fall for yeah. the next three jumps. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't talk yeah. to my students. And I was there, mate. I, I watched it happen. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, I was over. It was, um, it was brutal. I'm really glad I wasn't there for yeah. that one. Yeah, that, that I just one, taught a class on canopy control in an AFF ground school. Yeah, and then I had, I'm like, right, let's go and watch this. You know, let's go and watch some parachutes land. Yeah, that's an instant run, lesson of what not to do, man. Straight into the back of her canopy, a hundred feet, and wham. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'll tell you what I remember, and and one of the, the the coolest things about well skydiving in general, but specifically that community at that time, because we were so tight. I oh mean, yeah, we were seven days a week, eighteen hours a day mm-hmm. together uh, for years. And uh, we went to her. It wasn't a funeral. We went to the Sunday Mass. Right, yeah. Um, the, and they did a special Mass. Church, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was and uh, I'll never forget um, Mark Cruzy uh-huh. got up to say a few words. The priest uh-huh. in, invited him up. And he, so he goes up there, and you could tell that the, the normal churchgoers were a little. A standoffish because of the skydivers, yeah. and and they were they were upset, and and they want obviously with something like that, a non-jumper wants somebody to blame. There's got to be some fault. Somebody's at fault here, you know. And uh, he got up there, and you could tell they were not scowls, but they were waiting just for it to be over. And he started the whole thing off by mm-hmm. asking all the skydivers to stand up, and the whole back of the church. There yeah. must have been 150 Oh, yeah. yeah we packed the place out. peeking into the doors mm-hmm. and climbing over mm-hmm. each other. And I remember hearing an audible gasp from the congregation yeah. as they turned around and went, holy fuck. And yeah. instantly you, you saw their entire mannerism change and it became a, oh, they loved her. Yeah. Okay. It's oh, a, for it, sure. And it became a, a, this is okay. We're all supposed to be here now. Yeah, that was just yeah. an amazing thing. Horrible reason, but an amazing display. Did I got on well with her? That was, that was a shame. Oh, everybody did, she too. She gave me this Bible, and then she'd get it in the front of it. You know, she wrote a bunch of stuff, and throughout it, she wrote a bunch of stuff. But in the back of it, she wrote this one passage. 
you know, and it still sticks to me this day, you know. Oh, for sure. Do you know what? I was on the road. I kept that with me for years and years and years, and I was on the road with the Food Network running around all over the country Mm. doing this camera work. And I left it in a hotel. Oh, I did. Uh, man. Oh, mate, I I did everything I could to get back there and try and find that Bible. Man. Sure. And there, they just, you know, it was supposed to move along. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Was, it was well, supposed and, to and move along. We've got such amazing memories with her. I mean, my, my probably my fondest memory of her isn't one instance. It's every time she walked up and gave me a hug. Yeah. She gave the best hugs, and she'd look you in the eyes and tell you, "Dean, I love you," and yeah. you knew she meant it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was just an amazing with all thing. their heart and soul. Absolutely, yeah. you know, because people will toss around those niceties relatively easily nowadays. Sure. But she'd look you right in the eyes, and uh-huh. you just, oh shit, she's not kidding around. Yeah. And it wasn't a, she a, was a guy girl. Woman, right? Yeah, no, yeah. it was absolutely yeah. amazing thing. Yeah. So yeah, so we very... we definitely had some big times in uh, uh, in Cross Keys and some massive parties and oodles and oodles of bad decisions, all of which were yeah. amazingly fun. Uh-huh. But you backed off of it. I did. You finally decided enough with the party. I'm going to take a step back. What was the catalyst for that? Uh, I, a uh, uh, girlfriend. Yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, poo nanny. Poo nanny. They'll do that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was kind of strict and square and straight. I mean, she liked skydiving, you know, but she came from a kind of background that was mm. not not too party. And I, you know, I hijacked that girl, mate. Mm. I was a raging lunatic at that point in time. I think we all were at that point in time. That's kind of what made Cross Keys what it was because we were all insane, borderline fucking insane. But I carried on the lunacy sort of like just more at home, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, That still sort of went on for uh, quite a bit longer, actually. Wow. With me. Ended up getting married to her. So I did. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Good stuff. Still a lunatic, mate. I do remember. But, you know, that was was kind of a calming influence. Sure. That was. I mean, I I did, but, yeah, God knows I did. I hijacked that girl. Mm. So I did. And uh, and then just, uh, it it wasn't working out. And I wanted to party more than I wanted a relationship with another human being. Sure. Which is the tragedy of, you know, what I guess would be classed as addiction or, you know. I mean, Uh, absolutely. I'm a recovered alcoholic, Mm. you know. I I don't drink anymore. Sure. Six years sober now. Cheers to that. It's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right? I said that to the judge one time. He wasn't too happy. Mm. He got arrested in Philadelphia for being drunk in public. Oh, yeah. oh no. So, you said cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TV screen with some judge, you know, and he was like, okay, released on your own recognizance. And I was like, cheers, thanks very much. He's like, considering the situation, Mr. Norman, I don't believe that's an appropriate gesture. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, in a good American accent. I'm like, oh, he's such a well, it's moment. funny because Cross Keys <laughs> shut off the booze for you eventually. You, you finally used it to stop. But when I got yeah. to Cross Keys, I didn't drink at all. I uh-huh. never drank yeah. alcohol, which nobody uh, nobody believed or nobody understood because uh, I came from Las Vegas and I probably, uh, well, I never drank anything. And sure. I to, still to this day don't drink beer. But I get to, to Cross Keys and, of course, I start hanging out with all the usual suspects and, and the in crowd. It's and next thing you know, oh, yeah. yeah. Next thing you know, we're at the, the Plow and Stars in, mm-hmm. in, in Philly and, and uh, everybody's just, dude, you got to have at least have something, have a drink. And so the only thing that I could think that I could have that was mellow and wouldn't, you know, tear me apart was Smirnoff Ice. There you go. Bitch oh, beer. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but all you right. fuckers, <laughs> all you fuckers, every time we'd go into the goddamn bar, I couldn't feel, I, th- I just thought, wow, these people are great. They won't let me buy my own drinks. This yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> Little did I know that everybody that went to buy me one of those drinks would buy it, take a big swig off of it, and then get the bartender to pour a shot of fucking vodka it's in the good there. stuff. 
And now, of course, I can drink most people under the table. So <laughs> my my uh, high functioning alcoholism started in cross keys and yours ended in cross keys. So I, I kind of uh, took that torch and carried it on for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, just a little bit after. I mean, I, you know, I went through cross keys and then stopped skydiving for a while after Paul Josephs went in, you know, on oh. the tandem. I was like, you know what? I can't deal with this anymore, yeah. dude. Fuck. Going and pushing on people's chests, arcs, yeah. walls. Well, and that was a you hardcore know? one, too. Dude. Oh, my God. And that was just. the that was the, the theme across keys, man. There yeah. were the, the the rash of fatalities and the harshness of those fatalities. Yeah. I mean, PJ went through uh, power lines with a tandem student, yeah. a, a birthday boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty five years old, Fuck right into me. somebody's backyard. I mean, it, Home Depot. It's and it's very difficult to try and you know for non skydivers that are listening. They're right now. We've just talked the half of them out of ever going to make a jump because it sounds to you no, know, to them, go skydive. You absolutely. Know? <laughs> But it really Spot was death. the it was it was the fucking eye of the hurricane there, you know. Mm. I mean, you just we'd get caught up in it, and it just and it did the same thing for me. I mean, my party days ended; they started and ended with cross keys because yeah. by the time it finished off, I was re- just like you. I'm like, I, I don't want to do chest compressions again. Yeah, no, I was done, mate. I died. I quit. Yeah. I, I was like, I've got to leave here, mate. I'm like, fuck you guys, you know. This the we, the level of supervision, and I would always go and say something but I was always met with umbrage mate you know sure. it was like an ongoing thing it was like oh fuck you shut the fuck up you know which I've seen in many other places since when you're talking about safety when you're concerned about it how those people who are in a situation that can actually affect a change they do they they meet you with exactly that umbrage, of course you know yeah. they're like ah, well you know so cross keys uh, right. cross keys went by the wayside for you and yep. uh, skydiving went by the wayside for a while two years um, yeah what'd you do in the interim uh, started working in television. I mean, my interest in video, my interest in uh, taking pictures. Sure. But particularly video, you know. Um, I scored a job. So I did. I scored a job in a production company. You scored a good one, didn't you? Yeah, I did. My first job was on a Pepsi commercial. Ended up being a, I was a production assistant, but I'm, you know, I was like 30 years old then. Sure. It was a while back. And um, I was raging up against 18, 19 year olds. Well, that's. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's no competition at all. Yeah. You know, just from a work ethic point of view and from a discipline point of view, which I credit skydiving with all of it, you know. Well, you go through the Cross Keys Mill like you and I did, and you're doing an average of 25-plus tandems every day. Fuck me. And I'm sure you were the same. At the end of the week, if I hadn't done 100 jumps, I was pissed. Yeah, that was hard work. Oh, man, you're going to walk away with a work ethic because there's no way in hell you're ever going to get worked harder than that. Yeah. And and you have to be disciplined, yeah. you know, because if you're not disciplined, that's when shit goes wrong. Yeah, you, you take right. that kind of work ethic yeah. and, and that kind of ability up against a bunch of 18-year-old kids trying to get jobs uh, in anything oh, yeah. real. They're not, they don't stand a yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I, 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 you know, sort of went from strength to strength in that with uh, a lot of PA work in Philadelphia, making commercials, that sort of thing. And then kind of slowly went from the PA work more into the equipment side of things. Camera was my thing, you know, going and getting these big cameras from New York and putting them all mm. together and and uh, then I hooked up with this one production company these boys are amazing uh, three guys had started this company 20 years to prior called Shooters Inc you know and they took a shine to me and nice. I took a shine to them you know and they decided with a guy called Mark Summers who's mm. well known in reality television in the, in the US and if you're a bit older you probably uh, it, he was on Nickelodeon with some some crazy program that used to you know they used to do all sorts of crazy shit with kids and um but he was well known i didn't know who the hell i was working with there but they started this 
reality TV show, and it took off, you mm. know. Uh, Restaurant Impossible, no, Dinner Impossible was where we started. Sure. And uh, I got the job of looking after the gear, setting everything up, breaking it all down afterwards, making sure that anything that was broken got fixed, got sent to the next place. And so we had a studio out in Jersey, mm. um, in South Jersey, and, uh, you know, take everything back to the studio or fly all this kit back. So it was a mobile studio that we had, and we'd go from place to place, 13, sure. 13 shows at a time. That's how television's done. You know, but the, I got on, on the, the pilot show mm. with this English chef called Robert Irvine. And fuck me, oh, I was telling you, mate, crazy. Okay, so I mean, I'm pretty diligent with trying not to be late. Anyway, this one morning, fuck me, I've woken up late for this job, this first job. Oh. As a production assistant, or fucking like an hour late, the phone's going, hey, where are you? <laughs> Hopped in my Dodge truck, blazed a trail there. Sorry, I'm late. Now, TV folk don't fuck around. You right. know, that's a serious business. Man. Absolutely. You know, that's money. Plan everything to the detail. The work ethic in television is unbelievable. And um, I don't know. You know, I got away by the skin of my teeth. Mm. And, I did. and this fucking boy rocks up in his BMW at the beginning of the shoot. And over the radio comes, hey, we need something out here, you know, to clean the windshield. It's got bugs on it, you know, because they want to shoot a shot through the windshield of the chef arriving for sure. the first shoot. Sure, shit. So I go running out there, mate. I got the Windex and the class and whatnot else. I'm cleaning this dude's <laughs> windshield. Yeah. He's inside on his telephone doing his thing. You know, I mean, television people, you know, we all shit out the same hole. That's sure. how I look at life. Yeah, you yeah. know, I don't care who, what your station is. Sure. You know, we we're all we're all very level pagans. Yeah. And, uh, See a man's in there, I shine this fucking windshield up, mate. I go around and I'm like, on his window. He looks up at me and he winds the window down. I'm like, that's $10, please, mate. <laughs> You're right back to that fuck you test, huh? Yeah, dude. And out of this car gets this behemoth of a boy, mate. Robert Irvine. He's a monster, mate. You know, mm. he's a big guy. He works out. He's got fucking arms and a chest out here. And he's like, well, you never ask an English man for a tip, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and friends for life, right? Yeah. Awesome. You got it, mate. You awesome. Know, 100, and, 100 and something shows later. That's fantastic. You know? So in between that, um, a couple of years later, I started jumping again. Mm. Um, jumping just for fun? Yeah, you know, just really, uh, skydiving's a calling, mate, isn't it? You know, it's it like is. being a nurse or a teacher or a priest or whatever it is, I think... It, it cuts deep with some people and yeah. maybe not so with others. But Well, I think once you get to the level and the, the, the time in it that we have, it's, you're a skydiver forever. Yeah. It, that's just it. I mean, yeah. I, I did the same thing. I took about four years off from jumping. Uh, I just lost the passion for it uh, yeah. for a while there. And, and it dawned on me that I was doing something that, for all intents and purposes, is really fucking dangerous. Yeah. And I wasn't getting out of it what... I should be getting out sure. of it. And so I walked away from it. And, and I, I was lucky enough that I was still flying. So I'm mm. still in the air, and I loved flying planes. And, but I told myself if I ever got nervous thinking about going out and making a jump, uh -huh. that it was time to go jump again. Yeah. And cut to four years later, a really good friend of mine, Junior, um, uh, during a big competition, we had a bit of a, a, a lag time, and I wasn't flying, and there were some loads we could have gotten on. And he turns to me, he's all, let's, let's go do a jump. Yeah. And I got fucking butterflies. Oh, yeah, straight away. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Amazing. That, that just scared the shit out of me that you even just said that. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yes, let's go make a jump. 
And as soon, of course, terrified in the fucking airplane, borderline lightheaded, think I'm, you know, getting dizzy. And I'm, I think I was, I felt like I was more nervous than on my first jump. Yeah, sure. And this is thousands and thousands of jumps yeah. into it. And, of course, you cut to the second you're out of the airplane mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I'm back. Welcome back. Wow. Yeah, and you land and you're grinning ear to ear for a week. And the benefit to me is um, because I still work in, in the industry flying, now jumping for me is just fun. No more work. Now I'm out there delivering pizzas when these guys are all using Uber. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Flying fucking circles around the old man. And I it's love fantastic. It. Yeah, it is. Oh, there's there's nothing better than seeing some uh, 22, 23 year old that's got a buttload of tunnel time. And yeah. They're kind of okay into their parachute, uh-huh. but they are just flying circles around ninjas. you in the sky. Absolute ninjas. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love it. I love, I love sucking. It's yeah. so much fun. It is. I got nothing to prove. No one's no. watching me for anything. I'm never going to impress anybody, and yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. It's just enjoying it. Though, yeah, isn't absolutely. It? You know, that's it. Well, that was the same with me, mate. You know, I, I just always, the whole time that I'd taken this break, I just kept looking up, always going, oh, man, mm. what a beautiful day. Oh, it would be nice to jump right now, you know. But I, when I did come back, I, I found a, you know, first of all, the, in my mindset, you know, was A, I wasn't going to allow myself to get burned out again, mm. you know. And if I felt that way, I was going to stop what I was doing, take a break, yep. you know, and, and not do that. You yep. know, because it just, that wasn't the go for me. No. Right? Well, we've all, seen the, we've all seen the burnouts. We that's don't want to be that 25 guy. jumps a day, you know. That's the oh, seasons. Yeah. That's boom, 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 boom. And, it, 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 you know, the partying, just everything. It's it just, it takes a toll. And that you're like, lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, you know, I came back to it and I just could not wait. Sure. I went and did a tandem with a chick called D. Lucas. I think I dragged her out of the airport. <laughs> she was just getting into tandems. I think I was one of her third or fourth sort of like real people. Right. Fucking come on. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And that was it. I was back, you know. Nice. It was like that hook sunk in again. And nice. Away we go. So you transitioned back into working? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, like I say, you know, I was kind of sick, dude. I was. You know, I partied my way to 282 pounds. Big boy. Well, I remember uh, coming to visit you when I was down in Florida. Yeah. Uh, it was about that time. Yeah. Um, and uh, you were working with the Food Network at the yeah. time. And I remember saying the least sensitive thing I've ever said to you. Yeah. I walked in and uh, and I went, holy shit, Norman. I thought you were filming for the Food Network, not tasting for them. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> and I, fe- I felt bad about it, but you were a big boy back hey, then. I just, the pounds packed on me, you know? Sure. The drinking, the calories, coming home, the beer, sure. the, the beer eyes, looking at a fridge, going, how am I going to cook at 12 o'clock at night? And, you know, and it just it got crazy, mate. And so, here you sit coming over for the podcast on a bicycle, trim as shit and in great shape. and boom, loving n- life. No alcohol and yeah. healthiest, healthy as fuck, man. Healthier, yeah. definitely. You, you look 10 years younger than you did 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, I can't tell you, you know, that was hard. Stopping drinking was just the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Had to be. Yeah, it was. I've never been as sick. And I did it twice, you know. I got I quit once, and I went into. I used to drink a lot, sure, a lot, too much, way too much. And uh, the first time I tried stopping it, you know, when you if you're a good drinker and you detox from alcohol, any any physician will explain to you that this is the this can kill you. Oh, absolutely! You know, this is the worst kind of detoxification there is. You know, heroin doesn't have a lick on it. Mm. And I went through that sitting in my own bedroom thinking I was dying, dude. I had 9-1 pressed on that phone. Jesus. I was in my house in Florida thinking, fuck, I'm dying here. I'm going 
Sure. Just crazy. And then 60 days later, I'd stopped for 60 days. It was bored. I was bored. I was like, i got a handle on this. Went and had a couple of pints. And the next thing you know, I woke up three days later and there was bottles of booze everywhere. And I said, bottles of vodka. That was my thing. Sure. You know. Man, I was on my hands and knees. I was like, fuck, this has got to change, man. I, I couldn't see it myself. I just couldn't see that, that, that where the change was going to kick in, mm. you know, because I, I, I really enjoyed the social aspect of it. And you know what? It's, I, like, I enjoy the buzz. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Let's <laughs> no, be no. honest. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's, you know, I enjoy the buzz that the booze gave me. And, uh, you know, oh, and uh, I was on my hands and knees, mate. I was desperate. So I was, and uh, I was talking to the universe, and not not knock on my door, and along comes this dude called Evan Bell, mm. and dude, he saved my life. Mm. He did. I credit with him, him with just giving me the introduction to the people that I needed to teach me how to live a better life. Sure, you know, give me the tools that I hadn't been given. Well, that's it. I mean, that's it. You get to that point, and you, there, you can't see the path to take. It does. It, yeah. You're just blind to it. Oh, dude! So you know, have somebody lead you to that path. Stinking thinking, mate. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, the alcohol clouds your mind so bad. Oh, and, and the, so pernicious. And I'm pretty sure that sitting here now, you couldn't fathom ever being back there. You know, hey, I, I could, I could get drunk a million times, mate. I could absolutely get drunk off my face a million times. But sure. you know what I couldn't do is go through the detox. Dude. Sure. Holy God. And in a way, that and detox is what he and that detox <sighs> saved your life. Yeah. And you know what? I, for the life of me, I've got no desire, mate. I don't. I mean, it was it was hard to start off with. I went through another ten days of again sitting at home on my own. Oof. Oof. Shit myself, puking up shit. Oh, See, I'm just picturing. Uh, I'm picturing train spotting. Ah, uh, mate, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it right there. Yeah. It really is. You know, you do. You hallucinate the audio hallucinations, the visual hallucinations, the palpitations. You know, I didn't make anything. I put in me just instantly came. Sure. I lived in my shower for two days. You know, I just lived in the shower. Yeah. The heat regulation. I'd pull a blanket over me. I'd be instantly too hot. I'd pull it off. I'd be freezing cold. It is so fucked up. It's unbelievable. Now, do you think the your penchants for for drinking heavily and 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 the the whole big party scene and all that is also part of what draws you to something like skydiving. Is it? Because skydiving is its own addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got quite an addictive personality. That's why I've never started base jumping. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, oh, right, know thyself. Eh? Yeah. To thine own self be true. Oh yeah, no, I, I <laughs> I've talked about it on both the other podcasts. Yeah. I decided never to make a base jump because I knew it was going to be a dad, and I knew if I did it once, I was fucked. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I I went. I traveled around Northern Europe this summer watching people base jumping in Norway, and told you about Diablerets, sure. Switzerland, and a few other places, and. It's an itch though. Oh, I that got a scratch in you. It's an itch I need to scratch at some point. Yeah, I know that. I, I feel like that, but then I mean, unfortunately, we've we've known enough people that have been doing it, and they're dramatically better at that kind of shit that I am that aren't here anymore. Sure, and sure, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, my desire is not necessarily to go, you know, bombing it down a canyon on a wingsuit trying sure. to get as close as possible. I, I'm older and wiser now. I like to think, you right, know? right. And so I'd like to do it in an environment that's conducive to being able to do it successfully. A good old you bridge know, day kind of job. Yeah, you know, minimizing risks, man. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? You yeah. know, with parachuting, with any sort of like endeavor sure. that's got an element of danger to it, you really have to minimize it's, the risks. It's the draw to that drug, and well, like you said before, on your very first jump, there's no drug in the world that can give that to you. Dude, I was at the top of the Bliss Tower the other day. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, a bunch of mateys jumping off for a movie. Yeah. So I was, and I was photographing. So I'm in a full fucking harness and whatnot else, standing on the edge over the top of them, taking pictures. Yep. God damn, I'm like, God damn it, I want to go jump. 
I'll fucking jump. Are you kidding me? It's 1,200 feet. I'll fucking want to jump. Right. I went and saw Scalabrino. I'm like, hey, Nick, you got a rig? You know, he's like, i got a two, 280 something. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Fuck, I should jump, mate. This is a skydive. All right. I can deal with this. Yeah. I just saw these mates hucking off. I'm like, fucking, what the hell? I can yep. do this. Yeah. You know? I, well, no, believe me, it, the, the attraction is definitely there, but I'm like you. I know that, that that would be one that would be too tough yeah. to. And I, I, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's the one I won't go. Yeah, I won't go that far. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I'm definitely going to do it at some point. I sure. promised myself that. I don't want to go to my grave thinking to myself, "Fuck, I wish I'd done that." Yeah, you for know? sure, for sure. For me, it's not. It, it wouldn't be a regret for me because I've come to terms with the fact that it looks really cool, but I just don't think it's for me. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's a little bit easier. Right on. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, right. so you're back, you're back working in Skydive and you're, yep. you're keeping yourself from getting burned out. You're clearly enjoying it because you're traveling around. I love Europe it, mate. It's a gift. Stuff. Um, is this the end game? This is, this For is, me? yeah. yeah. Uh, no, definitely not. Oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't think so. No, you know, I mean, photography is my thing. I love photography. Mm. You know, video I love doing. Um, I kind of sort of like taking a step away from it mm. because it's fucking hard work, mate. Sure. People don't appreciate. I had a production company of mine at one point. People don't want to pay the money that you know the, for the hours you put in to edit in the video from five different cameras. You know sure. that's been that have been filming for the last ten hours. Sure, you know sitting there going through forty hours of footage. You know to put together a, an hour's worth of you know, forty minutes worth of video from. I don't realise the extent of work that's involved. Oh, of course not. So photography for me was a great sort of change because you just you know quick edit on the on the pictures and whatnot and sure. away you go. I mean obviously you know. Horology is my thing right now, so it is. This is the new. Each time I come back here, um, because I have a decent amount of spare time, I had decided when I first got here that when I understood the time available to me, that I was going to learn a new skill each season. Awesome. Yeah. So um, watch watchmaking absolutely fascinates me. That's awesome. It does. You know, micro mechanics, uh, just so fiddly and finicky, and and just the way it works. Sure. Sure. And so, you know, I've been reading lots of books. I've been reading uh, books by a guy called George Daniels, Dr. George Daniels, who was uh, an English dude, uh, a a Londoner, Mm. uh, just a a Renaissance man, a real common old boy who was uh, uh, like taking shit apart and putting it back together. Sure. He ended up being the world's greatest watchmaker, you know, and he would sit with these tiny lathes and just put this shit together, you know, and put his, and he wanted to, you know, bring back English watchmaking, and there's Mm. very few people doing it, and, you know, I'm kind of inspired to do that, so I'm trying to save my money. Sure, um, I need to go to school. Sure, you know, skydiving is always going to be a part of my life. Of course, of you course, know, it is. Uh, I'm going to keep raging here for the time being. Sure, you know, because it's a good gig, and I get plenty of time off over the summertime, and that's important to go and spend time with my family. You know, mum and dad are getting old. Dad's getting into his dotage, and. You know, the gliding thing I was telling you about, you know, I want to go sure. back there and just be able to give some of that back. And we've got plans as a family um, over the coming years to sort of like bring my mum and dad over to where my sister lives so that we're all able to, you know, stick together as sure. a unit. Sure. You know, having watched a good friend of mine's, uh, my best friend at home, his mum, you know, uh, 13 years with Parkinson's and just watching that whole affair. And she passed away at the beginning of, of the season here. And, uh, I knew I wasn't going to see her any longer, you know, after I left her and I went and saw her in hospital. And I'm sure. Like, you know, she's like, hey, I think this is us, you know. And I'm like, you know, you're a good woman, mate. And she was in her late 70s, but that, sure. that shit riddled her. And, uh, you know, she passed on. And I, 
You know, that's that's where I possibly see, you know, sort of like the end of all that is I'm going to have to go home. I need to take care of my oh, folks. Of course. And, of course. You know, and be part of that. But, you know, while God gives me the strength to keep doing this and doing it well and, and taking the enjoyment out of it, sure. then... You know, I think that's the, that. the, you and I are both lucky in that we've been in the sport for a long time. And, and uh, um, even though we've had our ups and downs in the sport, uh, I'll be flying super actively. And my phone is filled with thousands of pictures out the window of the airplane. Yeah. And I'll still take a day off to go jump where I work. And, yeah. and uh, there's not too many people that can say they go to work on their day off because it's fun. Dude, I don't um, freak people out. They're like, what do you do with your spare time? I'm like, go back to work. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it, I'm, I'm relatively sure. I mean, maybe it happens, but I'm pretty sure there's not too many people sitting in cubicles that just rip their phone out to take a picture because it's just so amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think we're... Uh, Everybody, uh, you hear the best job in the world tossed around by so many different people in so many different walks of life, and as long as it is to them, I then that's all that matters. Say that a lot, yeah, a lot. You have the best job in the world, and I'd say to them, you know what? It's not lost on me. Man. No, no, your words are not lost. It's on It's the me. same thing I get, you and know? I used to get it as a tandem instructor, yeah. and now I get it when I take people yeah. flying. You have the best job in the world, and I always nod and go, "Yep." Yeah, it's, it's a gift. Right. Oh, it yeah. is. I, I tell these people when I first meet them, I'm like, you know, the parachuting's a gift, mate, that we can do this so safely in this day and age. Mm. After 60, 70 years of sport parachuting, you know, the, the pioneers that led the way to where we're at now, you know, where we can do, you know, the, the likelihood of having a malfunction on a main parachute is in the thousands. Oh, yeah. No, as it's, opposed it's incredible. To back in the day where it was like, you know, one in four. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, blue skies, black death, you okay. know, yeah. sport death, sport yada, death. yada, yada, yeah. bounce bingo. You know, nobody knows what bounce bingo is, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows what bounce bingo is. I'm like, what's up with you cats? You've never heard of bounce bingo? No, not oh, anymore. What's the old man talking about now? <laughs> well, so so sitting back at this at this stage in your career, um, mm-hmm. what are, what are the takeaways you want to give to newer jumpers, up and coming skydivers, and what would you like non jumpers that are listening to know? Because non jumpers think we're a bunch of bat cases. They think we're you know batshit crazy for the it, most part. You know, uh, for me, for for people who don't skydive and would like to try it, you know, there's. There's nothing holding you back. I mean, there's a lot of noise goes on in your head, and we manufacture these fears in our own mind that hold us back from so many things. Forget jumping out of an aeroplane. Mm. You know, it's it's fear of speaking up. It's fear of this. Is and th- this is this is the, the what I take is you know, I just don't get rid of the fear, man. You yeah, know? That, that holds that stops, and and holds back so much in people's lives. Sure, it does. And and if you can just you know quiet down that noise. And go, you know what? Well, I can do this. Absolutely. I truly believe it. I mean, so like uh, this one chick that we jumped with today, she was praying the whole way up in the airplane, mate. You know, she was freaking out. I'm so, I watched the video when we landed. I'm like, I am so surprised we even got you to the door of the airplane, <laughs> sister. I cannot believe we got you out of it. Good for you. And we're walking back and. You know, from the landing area, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't know what this is going to be for you when you walk away from here. I'm like, but you know, you, you are amazing in my eyes. You just did the most phenomenal thing. You just challenged yourself in such a way. And I am sure there's something there for you, you know. There's Absolutely. a nugget, a lesson, a reward. And it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, 
it's yours. You know, it's it's internal. I, you know, we all take something different from it. Absolutely. And uh, you know, this woman was terrified, but you know what? She she walked on through, and and we helped walk her through it. Sure. You know, and and that's it's such that, a privilege, isn't that's it? That's the gift. Yeah, and that is it. It is a privilege. Yeah. You know, and and so. For me, you know, that, that never goes away, you know, that, no. worth, that when I think, am I doing something worthwhile, you know, because I truly think that we're all here to serve one another in sure. one way or another, you know, and, and so that that whole idea of am I doing something worthwhile, that it, yeah, Isn't that cool? yes, mate, yeah, well, your, your, your story kind of comes full circle in that you started out having a real struggle to get through and to become a skydiver and, yeah. and now for you the most rewarding are being able to to guide these people through exactly oh, that man. that's exactly the same thing with me every jump that i look back on aren't the crazy fun ones they're not uh-huh. the close calls they're the ones where someone was terrified someone was yeah. super super scared of this or that or, or, or aspect of it mm-hmm. or, or a, an aff student that just couldn't get it and it's watching that light bulb Come on. It's watching them accept and then not just accept doing something that terrifies uh-huh. them, but end up having an amazing time when they do it. And you watch them walk away at different persons. Mate, I mean, I've got, you know, lifelong friends that yeah. have gone from uh, one introduction in, to this sport uh, to, you know, learning to do it. Yep. Friends who never, ever took another step, but are still my friends to this day. People writing thank you letters. Indeed. You know? Indeed. And, and silly shit like this, mate. And it, it's just, you know, the way it opens doors is crazy. It really is. Well, it and is. it's 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 uh, still, the, it's the main reason why this is and will always be the best sport in the world. Oh, me. it's truly. And the best. Yeah, For sure. the young jumpers, mate, you know, it's, it's like never fail to learn, mate. Just it, this is all about learning yeah. every single day in every way. Don't think you got it. You know, because the minute you think you've got it, the let me tell you, it'll fucking whack the shit out. Damn of you. right, damn it'll, right. It'll, it'll, it'll explain to you quite happily. <laughs> you don't got it. Yep, <laughs> yep. And again, it's 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 funny because everybody that sat here and talked to me has said the exact same things and the important points. Um, the takeaway is the community. Yeah. The takeaway is what you get to give, not what you take. Right. And never ever stop learning. Yeah. Those are some damn good lessons. Yeah, dude. Oh. Give it back all the way, you know. Absolutely. Give it back, pay it forward. Absolutely. You'll be in good shape, you know. It's, Absolutely. That whole thing's brilliant. All right. Well, Mr. Mark Norman, what a, uh, an enjoyable time sitting and shooting this shit. Boom, boom. I uh, hope we get to do this some more. Oh, we'll definitely do it again. We've got a lot of stories we did not touch on, wild and deep, deep, crazy times that maybe we'll come back around to. What, at that time? (laughs) (laughs) We'll just leave it for next time around. Once again, guys, uh, uh, you got uh, Mark Norman here. This is The Fucking Pilot. Thanks for tuning in. And Blue Skies. Brilliant. Thanks, Dean. You're a rock star. Love it. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by... Well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems. Check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. 
And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.